<laughs> well, I appreciate you joining, man. Uh, for those who don't know, Jared, well, uh, let's let's start. Let's stop the intro. I got to ask for one quick question because you are a better a techie guy than myself. How are you speaking with me to me right now? Are you on AirPods? Do you have, like your own mic? Like what? What's your AirPods? Song? Yeah, I'm just yeah. spotting this one. All right, I am tweeting out thing. We're live on get calling with Jared Weiss. Tweeted. Okay. So for no, anyone who's unfamiliar and has not read the bio, Jared is one of the fantastic Celtics writers at The Athletic. Um, I don't really know how beat writers are consistently pumping out good info on the same team day after day after day. I'm very fortunate that I have been tasked with covering many a team, and trust me, it's way easier uh, so this guy's, uh, you know, if you're a Celtics fan, if you're an NBA fan in general, Jared Weiss always bringing some interesting, thoughtful stories and some valuable information. And no, today I, we're I, here to talk about Kevin Durant potentially joining the Boston Celtics. I really appreciate you making the important point that being a national insider is way easy of a job, and anybody could totally do that. So thank you for making that point. That's not what I meant. I meant when <laughs> a report comes out about Boston, all of a sudden I can just go cover that thing. Like if you're an Atlanta Hawks beat writer, like not a great doesn't help you at all when the Celtics are up to something. Like sure, it's not. I'm not just saying it's a, it's a walk in the park, but like. I don't know. There's always something going on in the whole league. There are certain teams that have had nothing happen all offseason. There are plenty of fans who have called in here time and again who are like, what the hell is my team doing? Even Hawks fans who have seen a pretty you know, big offseason, I would say. Pretty big offseason, yeah. Yeah, they're like complaining, why aren't the Hawks doing anything on John Collins? You know, like there's no news for Hawks fans right now or a Hawks writer right now. There's always to something be- going on that I can kind of poke my nose into. To be fair, how the hell is John Collins still on the Hawks? Like, he's been hard on the trade block for years now. It's so perplexing that he's still there. Um, yeah, I mean, if there was an offer that had come around that had met the Hawks' asking price, which, you know, speaking, just thinking out loud right now, I've never really asked anyone directly what the Hawks' asking price is for John Collins. And honestly, because I don't think, like, there is one. I don't think he, like, John Collins would probably be considered not identical, but in the general ballpark of, like, Aaron Gordon and Jeremy Grant on the trade market, right? Like, am I, am I off base there? I think I think more. Um, are you talking about Aaron Gordon right now or when he got traded? When when he got traded. When he got traded. Uh, I would still say a little bit more. I mean, I remember before he got his deal, like people were saying like two first and a and a good starter, like something like that. Like they were okay. they were trying to treat him like he was a like a fringe all star. Which is what which is what Orlando was doing. Clearly not what Detroit did. I mean Detroit just took a single first for Jeremy Grant, which I guess people didn't really bat much of an eye at, but I felt like a guy that's basically a twenty point scorer and like a solid two-way player getting only one first round pick. I think that's kind of nuts. And, and he's like in his prime and on a pretty decent contract. Like I thought that was a crazy cheap deal for Portland. Yeah, no, it was a pretty cheap deal for Portland, especially after, you know, what they, what their return was uh, for Norm Powell and Robert Covington and CJ McCollum and to, and to lose a pick um, for the Pelicans making that surprise run into the play-in tournament and having to go to Charlotte instead um, to only be a, to only have to pay a first for Jeremy Grant was it was pretty. I mean, people on the league when that deal went through definitely were like, "Oh, that was pretty low." Um, but I said I said him and Aaron Gordon to say like those guys were being sold right. So yeah. I was going to say yeah, like he's probably valued at the rate that you said. By the by, the Hawks. I, I I would make that assumption, like something to that effect, more than one first, and and what have you, because I do think pretty unilaterally across the league, like he's considered to be a superior player to those guys. Um, but the Hawks haven't been like selling John Collins. Like those guys were kind of you know on the block before a big payday. 
they've been looking at him from my understanding at, at deals to swap him out for a player that's a better fit in theory, you know? So that's kind of a big, to, to, to bring a roundabout answer to your question, Jared, like, I just think to make a straight, like both teams are getting better type of deal here. Um, it's not as simple and his value on the trade market. Most people's value on the trade market is actually lower than what their value would be if they were an unrestricted free agent, right? Cause you have to give something up to sure. get them rather than to pay for them as much as you really, really want. Yeah. I mean, and just the other thing with Collins, which makes me more optimistic he'll get moved soon. It's just that the way the cap is jumping now, like everybody is in, like the MBPA is telling everyone the cap is going up 10% every single year. Yeah. So, so contracts are de- are deflating in value so much right now. So Collins deal is going to look relatively cheap, like, you know, in the middle of the, of the deal. Um, and I think that's why a lot of guys don't want to sign like extensions right now is because if you can wait out your contract to hit free agency, the market is just going to be much stronger for you just because the cap's going to be stronger or higher. Yeah, I think 2024 is kind of being penciled in as the next 2016 summer, like the last summer before the next big TV money kicks in and there's a bit of a spending spree and, and deals are starting to look pretty cheap. Type of, That's kind of when people I've spoken to or have, I've asked that question. That's been one of the things I've, I've wanted to, to know. And uh, th- that's kind of what my antenna is set on, if you will, for when we'll really start to see teams change their, their, I don't know. I don't want to keep saying valuation, but valuation of where these contracts stand compared to the cap and the players overall value, um, which is still, you know, we're just at the end of this off season. So maybe we're season and a half in terms of transaction cycle away from that really impacting things. I think. Yeah. I just, I can't wait for the day where like, like good role players coming off their rookie deals are going to be signing for like $25 million. And they're just going to be like a six man at that price. Well, look, I think one thing that we saw this summer and we're going to continue to see as, unless there's changes to the CBA, um, as the money gets up, is that you're basically going to be a near max player or a max player, or you're going to be a mid-level guy, or you're going to be a minimum. Like that's We're getting to a place with how big these max contracts are that the NBA middle class is, is going to get really squeezed out. And you're really going to – I think this was the summer where it really shifted. I mean, I've only really been this deep in the transaction weeds for – two-ish years now, but, like, I was talking behind the scenes and all along, and I don't remember it ever being this stark of you're either a mid-level guy or you're not, or you're, you know, on the minimum all of a sudden, and, like, there's no going back from that. Like, that's that's a big thing in Russell Westbrook's whole situation, and, you know, Dad Fouché said it in his statement to ESPN. Like, when he gets traded, he's going to more than likely than not become a buyout guy and agents are very afraid generally of their guys becoming a minimum player because you don't really have much room to become anything more than that ever again. So you go up the, you go up the list or, or the, the you know totem pole to mid-level stuff. Like now you're going to start seeing guys be like, Oh, you know, I'm just a mid-level guy now, or oh, I'm just, a, it, it's going to start to get really kind of, um, I don't know, just re- really delineated in a, in a bad way, I think, for not all-star, super max-type players. Yeah, I, I do wonder if in the new CBA they even, like, change the way the mid-level works, whether they just tie it to a higher percentage of the cap or what. But just to I, – I feel like – because I feel like for the league, it probably is better to have a little healthier middle class just so guys – guys don't get stuck in a situation where they're pushing for near max money and that they don't get it, then they're pissed and then they, they leave. I feel like it creates more stability if you just give the middle class a little bit more. Yeah. Well, speaking of super max type people, um, let's, let's people are here to hear about you and myself and then we'll take some questions. Uh, talk about this Kevin Durant to Boston situation. Um, I will just start off by saying 
you know, I'd heard about Boston checking in with Brooklyn at some point during summer league. Um, and I was, and I, I checked around on it after the first person told me and in an off the record situation. Um, and now I was told like, yeah, conversation happened, but like writing anything about it now would make it a little bit of a bigger deal than it actually was. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't write about it then. Um, that's not to like take credit, it's just to provide context. <laughs> um, and, you know, as I wrote today, Bleach Report, I don't know what's happened since then, but nothing occurred in the last week or so between Boston and Brooklyn. When I talked to people on both sides, um, and other people around the situation who would know. Um, I kept hearing that these talks were weeks old. Um, so I don't, I don't know if, you know, a lot of these situations you go back to Ben Simmons, for one example, recently, like, you know, Sacramento and Minnesota and Indiana and Houston, all these teams, you know, checked in on Ben Simmons. And a lot of those teams, it was one check-in. And, you know, the Philly kind of made the line on where they would accept a deal from those teams and or, or said, like, you know, we're not going to be able to find a deal with what you got. And those teams still kept checking in in hopes that they, they were going to drop their asking price because Daryl was just going to have to cave and move Ben before the deadline. So I do think, you know, I, I kind of thought about of late this week how a lot of these – whenever – Whenever an all-star caliber player is on the trade block or, or available for a trade or requested a trade, the trade process kind of follows a similar position where a lot of teams show interest, teams emerge as being serious suitors, other teams just called, and then there's a waiting game, and then a deal is ultimately found after the right circumstances happen. One side moves their chips on the table, whatever. So Boston and Brooklyn, to me, had been described as a situation that like was in the first stage of negotiations. The Celtics checked in. It was made very clear that Jalen Brown and a lot of picks was going to have to be the starting point. And the talks were kind of left from there. So I'm not sitting here, you know, I saw the Vegas odds jumped to having Boston be the favorite for Kevin Durant. Like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Maybe, maybe he is, and maybe, maybe the Celtics are. You know, maybe that does end up becoming the leading situation for him. But honestly, ultimately, to wrap this all up, like the Nets aren't trading Kevin Durant for anything short of an offer that they're like, "Holy shit, we'd be fools not to take this," because there's still hope from <clears throat> the top to the bottom of that organization that Kevin Durant is going to potentially change his mind. Come the fall, or Kevin Durant, who by all accounts was frustrated when James Harden showed up out of shape last year, was frustrated when Harden was, you know, suffering with theoretical, potentially real, but who knows how severe hamstring issues that, you know, sat out games and ultimately led to his, his real ouster in Brooklyn. Like the guy loves to play basketball, wants to compete, wants to compete at the highest level. He's shown no – I mean, the, everyone's talking about it and preparing for, for it and thinking about the idea that maybe he could hold out or pull Ben Simmons or what have you. But it doesn't seem like it's in his nature. And that's not me reporting that in the spirit of the show that Kevin Durant is going to report and he'll be fine. But no one at this stage that I've spoken to who's got any pulse in the situation – isn't ruling that out, isn't working with the idea that, all right, Kevin Durant could just come back and be okay at the Nets start out like eight and two and everything's hunky-dory. Those guys could be, you know, turning turning a new page and heading off into the sunset together once again. Like, if that possibility still exists, the Nets are not going to, from my understanding, really consider any deals. Jalen Brown, notwithstanding, you know, whoever else is in the deal from other teams, whatever. So all that's to say, Jared Weiss, do you think the Celtics would ultimately be willing to meet such a demand? And then as someone who's observed this team up close for many, many years, 
you think they should or it would be worth it? I'm really split on the whether they should because they're already the favorites to win the title. So, you know, re, like blowing up your blowing up your team or it's not blowing up, but reconfiguring a team that already is a favorite to win the title seems insane. But obviously, like, I, I don't know how many players in the NBA you would consider this for, but it's probably like five of them. Or if we're even include if we're just going with players that could realistically be available, it's like two or three. But like Katie, Katie is is at this such he's at just like the weirdest intersection of his career where he's just old enough that you're genuinely nervous about how long his prime window lasts. Because well, it's not already just had- how old he is, but it's also the fact that he tore his Achilles and has had knee issues and foot issues holding him out to only ninety games over the last three years as well. Yeah, yeah. And and also just like the last thing we saw of him, which was not good. Like he did not he did not play nearly as well as he should have against the Celtics, or at least as you would expect. And the con- I mean the, the team around him was was pretty mediocre in that series, but like he he really struggled in that series. So yeah. it, it's not like he's coming off of this amazing playoff series where you saw him absolutely dominate and you're thinking like this guy's so much better than Jalen Brown. Clearly, like there's clear evidence that in the postseason is dramatically better than Jalen Brown. That you would pay any price to make that upgrade because you're definitely going to win the title. I think he probably is still several tiers above. He's still one of the best players in the league, but there's enough risk that it's not just like an obvious slam dunk, and that's why the Celtics haven't made this deal yet. But that's also why like no one's made this deal yet because there's a few teams in this competition that if they put a good offer out there, like they could get them and. A good offer is pretty far from what the Celtics put out. Like, sell with the what, what Sean's reported with Jalen, Derek White, and one draft pick. Like, that's a that that's a an all star, a really good role player, and one pick. Like, that's a that's a good package for a sub MVP level player. But you're talking about an MVP level player who's still at the peak of his powers, presumably. So there there's a lot more room for them to make a solid offer and get the deal done pretty quickly if they wanted to. But I just I think it's pretty telling that nobody's been wanting to step up because, like, the, the the difference between what you can – like, KD is so much better than any other player that you could possibly trade for that adding in an extra piece and, like, paying mediocre value, I don't think it really matters that much. Like, you're getting one of the best players in the game. So teams – if teams were really confident that KD was going to be healthy at the top of his game and a lock to stick around for his contract – I feel like teams would be like, I feel like this trade would have gotten done much, much faster, but I get the sense that teams aren't very confident there. It's a mix of that. And I mean, I really can't bang the drum harder about Brooklyn's. I mean, the Nets don't want to trade Kevin Durant. Like that is preposterous. They are operating like a team where a superstar requested a trade, but they're also operating like a team Trading a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal, bringing on TJ Warren in a minimum, and, like, looking around at other situations to try to figure things. Like, really being creative from what I had heard about thinking about certain guys to, to look at and, and bring into I, – I, maybe I'm overstating it, but I just know they cast a wide net about what do we really need, who's really available uh, to push this team over the top with Kevin and Kyrie if they're here. Like – they're not moving him unless they have to. And and the only two things that I've, routine, I've routinely been told could be the events that could make that happen are if a team does decide to throw in you know, everything that they can and makes Brooklyn blink or Durant makes the stink. We're, we're Dr. Seuss over here. And uh, <laughs> he actually does it. He d- does it. Ben Simmons or, or does something similar, and, and and really basically demands a trade because he requested a trade. He didn't demand a trade. Someone someone said that to me yesterday. Well, that's um, a good so point. He's definitely left um, a window open where the, the the Nets believe he might be amenable to stay, stick around, come training camp. So. If, if the Celtics want him, if anyone else wants him, they're going to really have to put in Jalen Brown, smart picks, maybe even something else too. I mean, probably something else too. If, I mean, I had basically, you know, it's hard to kind of trace back certain pieces of intel at a certain point after, like, you've just heard it from so many people. You've enforced it in your mind that, like, this is a 
something that's like a pseudo fact. Like I've been told time and again that even if the Suns put in Aiton and Bridges and Cam Johnson and three picks and four swaps, whatever the max stuff was, that like even then the Nets wouldn't really have been too intrigued by that thing. They would have had to make it a bigger deal. DeAndre is not the guy, blah, blah, blah. So, like, if that's kind of a general starter point, then, like, Jalen Brown smart and two, three, and three picks is, like, still kind of, seems kind of low from what the Nets asking price is. And that's not to say the Nets asking price is fair, because honestly, it seems like their price is so high. And if Donovan Mitchell gets moved to Brooklyn for six picks or whatever before it happens, then it's like going to probably make it even more unrealistic that, that that the Nets will move Durant for less than that. And it's going to make that in turn, obviously more unrealistic that a team can even match that price. Like it's just, it, it's really a big staring contest between like, it's, it's a quadruple Spider-Man meme between one Spider-Man is all the teams that want Kevin Durant. One Spider-Man is the Nets. The other Spider-Man is Kevin Durant. And the fourth Spider-Man can change any day, given like who the other actor of consequence is. It's is it, Kyrie, is it Kyrie's opt-in stuff? Is it you know Ben Simmons being healthy? What have you? So, whole thing's kind of just that. That's basically the best stupid way to describe it, or or my read on it at least. Yeah, it, I mean, what's so weird about the situation is I have not heard a plausible reason why KD wants out. I, I still between conversations I've had between all the reporting that's out there. I haven't heard anyone explain why he's walking away from a team that is getting back one of the league's best shooting guards and is getting back like, you know, Simmons. Like I don't, and, and has Royce O'Neal, which is the most exciting part about all this, but like, I don't understand why he's running away from this team. What happened to make him do this? Yeah. It's it's bizarre. I don't have a clear total answer either. I'm sure we'll get it at some point. Um, yeah. the one thing, and I, I also would hesitate to say that it was one particular reason, but well, the one thing I know pretty solid is that regardless of the motivation or whatever, he clearly thought or was under the impression or people, uh, cause again, I want to speak so directly for him, but Kevin Durant clearly believed there was an easy route for him to get the Phoenix and wanted to play with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Yeah. And that, that was definitely, that was definitely a very, a very real component because from even though before it happened, there was all, there was already kind of rumblings about, Oh, you know, if things go really South here, Phoenix would probably be the top of Kevin's list. Miami, it's Phoenix, Miami, Miami, Phoenix. Like it was kind of that type of thing. And then it really started to be Phoenix um that week like i remember i remember that monday before the trade deadline or or before free agency opened um the day of Kyrie's opt-in thing um i was calling around asking people trying to get ahead of it trying to ask people and say well well, if kevin durant like you know if that's still at the move kd like where would he want to go who's uh who's actually in line to make a move that would do it like phoenix came back loud as like his top choice so it seems pretty clear that was at least one of the factors that the sun just seemed like a dope spot for him. And I remember, I mean, well, when, when he, when he did the initial league or his camp did the initial league or whomever did the initial league, uh, they were making it pretty clear. He wanted to go to Phoenix, which I thought was hilarious that they were trying to pull that, but at least it made sense. Like Phoenix had two really good complimentary players and tons of picks. And I liked the Phoenix proposal because with Phoenix, at least it was old Chris Paul, you know, relatively old Kevin Durant, like two of the big three there could age out and those, and that franchise could go into a free fall. And then those, those later picks could be extremely valuable. So I like the concept. It was a good idea. Um, but what was interesting is I remember hearing, right. You know, like pretty early into the negotiation stage that Phoenix was trying to keep Mikhail Bridges out of the trade and oh, they yeah. wanted to build the trade around Cam Johnson. And I thought that was hilarious. I was like, what, what is even the point of, even starting negotiations with that Mikhail Bridges in there. Like that's, that's a joke. And I mean, lucky, I guess, lucky for them at the time, they didn't let it slip through their fingers until the Aiton situation happened with Indiana. But like, I thought that was hilarious that they were trying to build a trade 
where they're evaluating Cam Johnson like he was a centerpiece. Like, that is absurd. I'll say this. The Suns got a lot of criticism from people from different different perspectives all over the league. Just being that the way they handled the Aiton thing on the whole and the fact that if they had just if they were if they were really going to match this deal all along, then from cap experts I know to you know what have you agents team people like the consensus seems to be well then why didn't Phoenix just give them that offer up front and then they could have had much more flexibility to trade him to Detroit before the draft started. And the whole Jalen Duren thing happened and knocked out Detroit as a potential spot for you. You could have you could have had far greater agency to use DeAndre in in trade talk to try to find other pieces to go get Kevin Durant rather than be where you are now, where he can't get moved till January fifteenth. And I might have said this one on a previous call. And another little interesting wrinkle about how long the DeAndre in free agency happened. You know the the no trade clause that he's got is a is a full year to the day, from my understanding. So if that yeah. happened on like the beginning of the of free agency in the moratorium period, you know now next year, if the Suns want to trade DeAndre Ayton, he's going to have some power over them and the market of having this no trade clause while the draft and the moratorium and early free agency is happening. Like that's a really fascinating wrinkle to that whole thing, that is awesome in terms of just like a sheer agent of potential chaos on the chessboard of the NBA ecosystem. Um, and it's something that the Suns could have very easily avoided, just like Dallas could have avoided losing Jalen Brunson if they had given him an extension. Yeah. Or paid $20 million to his dad to be an assistant coach, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it's it, not mine. It, it is. Uh, that's uh that's a completely, completely random rumor. Don't, don't argue with that. But uh, it, it is very, it is bizarre that we're in a world where KD can't get traded yet. DeAndre Eaton has a has a veto. That's uh, that's pretty spectacular. Kind of love the NBA. Um, I love the NBA. To, but yeah, I I, I kind of mentioned this in my piece on the Athletic this morning. I have definitely gotten the sense that everyone's waiting for KD to um, not show up the training camp because he is having visa issues, getting back from Bermuda or whatever the reason it is, and. <laughs> Then the and then the price collapses. I think though the Nets are probably safe in that they still can get an, a young All Star no matter what for KD. I don't see I don't see the price falling below Siakam, Ingram, Brown. Like they should be able to get one of those guys. I think it's more about the window dressing after that. I think what's good for Brooklyn is worst case scenario is you just screwed up getting the Hall of a Lifetime with KD. But you still can end up at least with a great young player to build around, and you put that next to Simmons and everything else they have, and whatever they can get for Kyrie. Because I assume you want to get rid of Kyrie at that point if you if you make that move. Because uh, well, if they trade for Jalen Brown, I don't think Kyrie and Jalen Brown would work out that well together. Even though I think they're on good terms, like we we saw from a basketball perspective, it wasn't working last time yeah. around. Although maybe Kyrie's changed, but why would we ever think that based on everything that's been happening? So it seems like it's only gotten worse, honestly. So or the, the, um, there'd be three very needing the ball type players. Yeah. In Ben Simmons, Kyrie and Jalen Brown all together. And I know that's such a hot button surface level thing to say, but at a certain point, well, those things I mean, do ring true. The, the, the irony of that is that Kyrie and JB are two of the best off ball players in the NBA. So it actually could work from a basketball perspective, just pure X's and O's. Oh, but for sure. From a personality perspective, that'd be I, I would be amazed if that worked. The tug and pull of ball handling duties in Boston has been, you know, it's been a real theme beneath the surface, pretty much ever throughout the entirety of Jason Tatum's career, because they always had yep. him and JB and a bunch of guards, and. Pretty much by all accounts from people in and around Boston, like a major catalyst for their success this year was after they moved Dennis Schroeder, not because he was a cancer or any you know, type of crazy stuff like that. I think people really liked Dennis there just because they didn't need a really ball-dominant guard. Marcus Smart becoming the full-time point guard and someone who's more of a secondary 
ball handler, although he does, you know, he did have the ball in his hands a lot, but uh, Tatum pretty much ran the show like Luka Doncic, a long stretch of that regular season. And they found creative ways to split him and Tatum's time and to, and to give Brown a lot of opportunities with the ball in his hands to create and slash. And they, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me in the playoffs that they were designing their early game plans to really feed Jalen early and to help get him going. Um, so they, 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 they found ways to prioritize both those guys, but that had to be done. Like it seemed like a delicate matter and something that was on top of mind to try to find ways to make sure both those guys felt like they had ample creation opportunities. So if you added in a third guy like that in, in, in a theoretical Brooklyn situation, it's just something I would monitor. Yeah, I mean, with with the Celtics last year, it was with Schroeder. They were playing him like thirty a game or whatever it was. A they lot. had, yeah, you know, they had given him a minutes promise. They gave him a role promise, and his the issue with his on court fit was it wasn't just the ball dominance part; it was the pace of play part and the decision making part. Um, you know, I remember talking to players during the season who were like, "When I see Dennis go, you know, get you know, start breaking someone down." I put my hands down because I know he's, I know he's not going to be looking for me. He's going to put his blinders on, and he would walk the ball up the like after when they would take the ball out of a net out of the net. He would walk the dog on the ball and not start the shot clock. And everybody was looking around like, "What the hell are you doing?" He was doing it the whole year, it was driving them nuts. But the thing that really hurt was, you know, we, we've in Boston we have talked about this game a million times. But on January sixth, um, the meltdown that they had at MSG where they just could not score in the fourth quarter. They also could, you know, Evan Forney and RJ Bear were hitting crazy shots. They lost that game because Tatum was carving the Knicks defense apart in crunch time, and he would kick it out to Schroeder, and Schroeder was just bricking wide open threes. They yeah, just I was needed... say, the off-ball shooting was big, too. It was killing them. And then they, they took him out. They put Josh Richardson and Craig Williams into those spots, and both those guys were shooting pretty well. And they it took off from there because they weren't just giving up their they weren't just you know seeing their offense completely collapse in the fourth quarter anymore, and that lasted pretty much all the way until I guess Miami was the first team in the conference finals that really started to put the pressure on them to keep their offense afloat, and then Golden State's defense was just like the perfect matchup against them. They did an incredible job, and the offense finally fell apart then, and they also lost their legs, and that's why they need to bring in Malcolm Brogdon because even though the Jays found a great rhythm last year. They, you know, Ime Udoka decided to go to an eight-man rotation pretty much the entire second half of the season to get them back on top, and that just that cost them in the end. They just ran out of legs just in time, and they needed a nine-man rotation. They needed a nine-man rotation with several different players that could take the scoring and playmaking responsibility off of Tatum and Brown. And with Brogdon and Gallinari on board, it's like this team seems like they've pretty much fixed almost all of their holes at this point. Um, you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon. I just want to make one joke before we get to the listener <laughs> questions here because Noah's been in the queue and a, a regular caller, Dave, and uh, got a Celtics logo in his uh, bio. Big Marcus Smart guy. I'm sure he wants to talk to you. But uh, you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon. When I was writing my story last night, an editor at Bleach Report who will remain nameless, who I very much really like working with, and they've done very awesome, and they've made a lot of my stories better from their feedback. This person asked me if we needed to be clear that if we if we weren't hundred uh, percent certain when these Boston uh, Nets talks happen, like if they happen after the Malcolm Brogdon deal, like we're unclear if the Malcolm Brogdon, like Celtics fans are going to want to know if the Malcolm Brogdon trade is going to, you know, change Boston's thinking on Kevin Durant. And I love this editor. But I said, with all due respect and bless your heart, trading for Malcolm Brogdon is not going to change the team's decision making on going in for Kevin Durant or not. That I just thought that was that was a silly moment in my day that I wanted to share with you, Mister Weiss. Oh man, that's great. I mean, and the answer is yes, right? Because Brogdon got traded on the first, so the talks happened after free agency started. Like the the Durant trade demand happened a few hours before Brogdon, right? So. I think I'm getting that right. The last month has been a complete blur. But so, yeah. So, they had Brogdon at that point. Was Brogdon really dealt the second day of free agency? Um, I wasn't sure. And so, I just Googled it. And my interview with them was on July 1st. So, yeah. 
I could, wow. I thought I thought it was going to be on like the fifth or sixth, but no, it happened. Me too. On, it happened yeah. on the first. But it was so elongated because of the moratorium and then uh, his physical stuff. Wow, he really. Yeah. Did, I, I remember that. I now I now remember where I was. It's I, it's uh, truly. It's there is the longest day of the entire year if you're in the NBA is the start of free agency because your phone your phone just does not stop beeping or vibrating for like a 24 hour period it's absolutely insane and it feels it feels like an entire week and so it's shocking to go back and see that it was July 1st I really thought it was gonna be like the fifth or sixth anyway um, we are gonna go to calls thank you for everyone for listening so far. Um, I'm going to read some comments, actually, too. We'll run through the comments. But this is an audio platform, and we love hearing from you and talking to you. So give us a shout if you would if you'd be so inclined to. Um, and you got to make an account on Colin to do that. But if you do, you can, uh, you can subscribe to our show. You can get all notifications when we're going live and never miss out on what we're doing here. Um, and you can continue to ask us questions. Okay, quick run through the comments. How are you going to come on another man's show? Call it Meek, Charlie Saturday, calling you out, Jared West. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I always talk on my AirPods. People always say that my, my quality is bad, but this is the only way I really know how to do it. And I did speak on speakerphone or into my phone, like I just held it up, not on speaker. When I was on the road recently, that was actually better audio. So I might, I might try that next time. But I like being able yeah, the, to hear it in my ears. The right, re- the regular phone microphone is usually much better than the uh, AirPods for sure. All right. Um, hearing anything on potential Kemba Walker Charlotte stuff. So yeah, I said on here a couple weeks ago that you know, I thought the Hornets were looking to third point guard stuff. Yeah, Kemba was definitely a name I, I've I've been hearing for a bit. Um, to be honest, if the Boston Brooklyn reports hadn't come out on Monday. My Tuesday article was going to be about Colin Sexton and Kemba Walker, um, and uh, I was just, I was trying to hold Kemba as long as I could because <laughs> honestly, Kemba to Charlotte is a really nice story, and I think it's very possible, but it doesn't sound close right now. And I know the Hornets are looking into Isaiah Thomas, an old friend of yours, Jared Weiss, as well. He was a great you know third guard. In that situation, so I really couldn't say that like Kemba was even at the favorite to be Charlotte's uh, third guard. Like it, I, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't know the likelihood of it of it happening, but it's definitely something that's been discussed, and both sides at least have interest in it. Um, I mean, those are two former Celtics guards, Jared. Any any thoughts there? Um, I know that they loved it in Charlotte last year. Um, and of course, it tweeted out that he walks on every side of. I think he said, "Like I need to get back for my killers." Um, I know Charlotte has like they need a locker room leadership infusion, and they. I mean, the tricky thing for them is that whoever they're going to bring in is going to be a good leader for sure, but they're also going to be deep into the bench, and it's it's hard. It's like every single team needs the OG in the bench. And then they also need one of the key players to be that agent of change for them. And, you know, their leadership structure is you got LaMelo ball and uh, Terry Rogier. So like, Rogier is kind of like the main leader for that team. And then you have Gordon Hayward, who's one of their most important players, but Hayward's like a pretty quiet lead by example kind of dude. And this team I hate, needs hey, something hey, substantial. Hayward hey, is not a leader of the Charlotte Hornets. I can tell you that. Yeah. So I mean, he, everything yeah, I've he, heard, he's definitely a veteran, but he hasn't really been available. And he's not really like he's not he's not the leader of this team. That 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 is not he's yeah, not to say he's not to say he's he's a bad leader. He's like standoffish or whatever, but he's not he's not even that's not even a conversation. Yeah, he's he's a professional who comes in and does his job, but he's not he's not heavily involved in establishing the locker room culture. That's not the role that he likes to take on, and, and so. That and that's kind of left a, a vacuum where I think it's you know, T Row is the main guy doing it. Obviously, Miles Bridges was a part of it. Who the hell knows what the future is there? Um, I mean, it's it's telling that they didn't pull the QO, and I guess that works because does anybody notice that they never pulled the QO? I don't think anybody notices or cares really. But obviously, that's a pretty substantial statement um, considering other players who have been arrested in these kind of situations were immediately cut. 
So that was a pretty strong. I mean, he's a he's a very very talented player. He is a very talented player. I guess he's talented enough to overlook the pretty credible accusations. Um, but I think there's a yeah. lot there's a there's a lot more going on there behind the scenes that'll come for sure. And look, sure. We, we've said we've said many a time on the show that that situation is far bigger than a basketball story. Yeah. Um, but yes, in 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 the contract side of things, I mean, look at the end of the day, if there's a way for Miles Bridges to to grow both on and off the court as a member of the Charlotte Hornets. I think the Charlotte Hornets would prefer that rather than him not being a, a valuable player in their rotation, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens when they eventually trade for Miles Turner, right? So, <laughs> I mean, if it hasn't happened now. Yeah. All right. So, someone's going to do it at some point. We got, a, we got some time before the top of the hour. We got six callers in here. If you want to call in, please do. But for now, we'll go for these this crew. Noah, what you got? Thanks for calling in. Hey, what's up? Um, I got a question about the Celtics and Durant. So, obviously, the reported trade was a couple weeks ago. And since then, they've signed Gallinari and let the, their big TPE expire. It feels like, to me, that those moves indicate that they wouldn't be going for Durant because – you, I feel like you would need those guys. You would, you wouldn't want be to bring in more depth or use it in a deal. Does that have any indication that they're not looking towards Durant as much since their original offer? No, I, I mean, from the conversations I had yesterday, I do think Boston is still very much interested in their prospects in trading for Kevin Durant. The likelihood of it happening, like I wrote, like I said today, I think is I think is honestly pretty low. But I don't think the moves they've made suggest they're out by any stretch. Jared, would you agree? I mean, the moves they made allow them to trade for KD better. Um, yeah, I was like say I wrote the same about this thing. in my story. Getting Brogdon now allows them to be able to move on from Smart and still have point guard depth with two good point guards. So, uh, you know, getting Getting Gallinari allows them to put someone like Grant Williams in the deal because they still have a floor space before. So continuing to fortify their team. Get now, so they have extreme depth right now, right? Like their their depth one through nine is pretty insane. If they have to consolidate talent to get Kevin Durant, they'll still have sufficient depth to be a contender. So they put themselves in better position to trade for Durant than anybody else has because of that. Um, and they also were smart. They were like, we can continue to they, – they didn't give – they didn't really give up anything – like the, the deal they added to their roster and the only thing they sacrificed that would have had any value in the Durant deal was the first round pick next year, but whatever, they'll just add another way more valuable pick off into the future. Another swap, it'll be more valuable, but they, you know, they, they take the risk of, they have to pay a bigger price for Durant from draft pick compensation, but they protect themselves in that they've already built a title favorite already. So they don't have to do that deal. So the way they played it, I thought was a no brainer. They've done great business. They can just not trade for Kevin Durant, and they're still on paper right now probably the best team in the NBA. So I think they're in a pretty great position, and they're still fully flexible to make that move if they need to. Rival executives are, are definitely impressed with the job Brad Stevens has done. I will I will say that. That is that is certain. Uh, Noah, anything yeah. else before we let you go? Um, yeah, I was just wondering – contract like only two years left on his deal how much does that influence an offer for kevin durant um your volume went out but you're saying jalen brown right um sorry can you hear me yeah but jalen brown was the name you said uh yeah i was wondering how much the uh, his contract situation is influencing them trying to get durant got you thanks noah yeah i mean look he's in a pretty similar boat of DeJounte Murray and like Jalen Brunson before him, where the fact that he's at a below max number, his he, he he's not going to sign a new deal until he reaches unrestricted free agency in 2024, because the Celtics based off, off the CBA aren't going to be able to pay him, offer him more than 120% of his current number, which is well below his max. So it's certain that's certainly a factor I would think. Right, Jared? Um, Yeah. I mean, if he, I think, I can't remember Katie's exact number. I'm going to pull it up right now, but I'm pretty sure Jalen's new new deal, if he got 30% max, 
uh, would be pretty close to what KD is making right now. Um, what if you think Jalen's not worth that, but Kevin Durant is? Uh, I think Jalen is worth it. I think Kevin Durant's worth eighty million dollars right now, but the max yeah. caps him down to like forty-seven million. For sure. Um, well, I wasn't. I wasn't asking what you thought. I said what the proverbial, the proverbial you. I mean, like, there yeah, are certain, like there are certainly teams who are going to not think Jalen. I mean, I I was talking to a coach yesterday. Coaches generally tend to be harsher about their evaluation on players than front office people because they don't have the coaches don't have the longevity of an executive to hope and pray that a guy is going to continue to develop. Like, can this guy be good for me now or he sucks? And Jalen Brown's obviously a phenomenal all-star level player was tremendous for long stretches in the postseason. But I had a coach tell me yesterday, well, Maybe his value would, would be better if he didn't learn, if he didn't, if he didn't forget how to dribble in the NBA Finals. So, <laughs> like, uh. There are definitely, I can assure you, there are people and teams who probably don't think Jalen Brown is going to be worth that next deal. Like I, I think that's a, a lot. A lot of te- I mean, I'm always surprised every summer how pe- when people don't think a certain guy is worth a certain amount. Like I remember. Even when I first started thinking about R.J. Barrett's number, when I was watching a Knicks game uh, during their late season run, like I was like, "Holy shit, R.J. Barrett is a max player," and a lot of people were like, "No, he's definitely not." So, um, I don't know. It's it's just it's I, I would just hesitate to suggest that it's always like a guarantee that. I mean, I saw someone comment on my story today that. Is Jalen Brown really not in the same tier as Brandon Ingram and Scotty Barnes? Like, I, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility that certain teams would, would view him as such. I would, I would actually, I don't know where teams have Barnes. You know, I think because Barnes is so young and has so much untapped potential, probably a lot of teams would value him above Brown and Ingram since Brown and Ingram are pretty close to their peaks. But I think Brown is good enough and just has enough stature that he would probably command a max pretty comfortably um, yeah. on the market. Like he, I don't think I, I don't much question that he will, he will end up getting a max contract by the time he hits on restricted free agency. And that's why there's no way he's taken the extension this year. And they probably sure. need to fix, they need to fix that in the next CBA to allow these guys to extend by you know, not limiting them to the 120% raise early on. Yeah. Um, sure. but, to an- but to answer the caller's question, I think that, Considering the Durant situation right now in Brooklyn, I think Boston would probably probably feel more comfortable with the with the security of Brown resigning in 2024 than Kevin Durant either being fully healthy or not wanting to be traded again by 2024. Like I feel like JV is probably the safer play at that point. Yeah. All right, we're going to Dave. We've got ten minutes left. Dave, what's going on? Hey guys. So my question is, uh, like we've all been hearing Jalen Brown, like that's the starting point. But my question is, if the Celtics have, uh, if they can make an offer that doesn't include Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant, like they can't. I'm stopping. They can include there. Jason Tatum. <laughs> that's the only way they can even remotely get Brooklyn's attention. I, I remember someone asking me, maybe it was you, Dave, uh, that first Thursday about if, if they could get Kevin Durant without giving up Jalen Brown. It's, it's a non-starter. Mm. And we know that because, well, the thing is, like, would they, if, if Boston included every single potential pick and swap and then smart Grant Williams or, or Rob Williams, would that be enough? And I think the answer is probably no, based on what we saw with like Phoenix and you it's know, definitely and no. so far. It's <laughs> they they need they need that all star. They want that star player, and I like that. I like that they're operating in. We don't want a bevy of picks that maybe one of these will be useful at some point. Maybe we can cash this into something else. They're like, we want that guy to build around right now. We want yeah. that sure thing, and I love that line of thinking because it drives me insane when teams trade for a ton of picks. And then they don't have a clear – like, there's not a clear answer to how you're going to turn that into something valuable. Like, I, I feel I, – I mean, I know that there's tons of models that study this, uh, like analytical models, not supermodels. I'm sure there are some supermodels studying this too. But, like, 
the, the teams teams have a they have quantified the value of the of getting all these picks versus paying a great player yeah. a, like a Max Zill or whatever. But like, I would much rather have Jalen Brown than three draft picks from a team that maybe will be bad because like the likelihood of any of these picks turning into Jalen Brown is extremely low. Even if you know one of these picks is going to be top five, just a top five player. Fuck them picks, right? Brown or Brandon Ingram. Like <laughs> even that is extremely low, low chance. So it's like, I'd rather have the bird in the hand. If the dude's only 25 years old, even if you have to pay him the max. Sorry to burst your bubble, Dave. Anything else we can do for you? Sorry, Dave. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> But one more question. Um, yeah, what's up? Do you guys think there's? Uh, do you guys think there's any chance Kevin Durant could pull a Ben Simmons situation with the Sixers, like just hold out and like just refuse to play? Um, like we said at the top here, or during the show, no, we no one has that definitive answer, but doesn't seem like. I mean, it would seem very out of character is all I can say for now that yeah. Kevin Durant would do that. Yeah. And I'll, by the way, Dave, that was a good question about the, could they do it without jail? That is a very good question. We should be answering. It was just fun for me to tee off on it, but KD, it would, it would go against the way KD portrays himself where he portrays himself as like this, this Hooper, or I should say portray himself. That sounds like it's insincere. Like he is, he is this guy that's like truly obsessed with basketball, which, you know, like that, that gets overblown. Like, yeah, most of these guys are passionate about basketball. Most of these guys work through basketball, but not all. I was told, I was told by Warriors people when he was hurt, he didn't even want to watch games from the bench because being that close to the court was agonizing for him, not being able to play. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea of that guy willingly not playing is and I don't think it's a financial thing. I think it's just a basketball thing. And also, it's like the dude's thirty four and he's been banged up. Like, are you really going to sacrifice one of your last good years left and not play? He could still yeah. keep playing and still you know keep turning the heat up on the team and trying to get them to move him. He's probably not going to win that battle at that point. But if they win yeah. the staring contest, like you gotta you gotta suit up and play, man. You don't have much time left. And especially oh. like look at Bet, like look at Simmons right now. Like we have no idea if Simmons is still good. Like it's a that's a legit question that I'm surprised people aren't talking about more. We have absolutely no idea how good he's going to be. Yeah. All that being said, KD can do whatever the hell he wants, and maybe he will do that. We'll find out come September. <laughs> Shay, <laughs> what's up? What's up, um, Mike? I had two questions. The first being, um, yesterday Shams was on the Pat McAfee show, and he was talking about Kyrie's intention is to play in Brooklyn with or without KD. So I was wondering, is there maybe a rift in that KD-Kyrie relationship? And then the second question I had is, everything we've heard and that you've reported is like KD's focus was on Phoenix. Is he amenable to other destinations that it seems like Phoenix is really not on the table anymore after the the restricted free agency sheet to DeAndre Aiden? Thank you, Shai. Um To the Phoenix other situation part, um, I think if – there's a winning situation on the board. Kevin Durant would probably be amenable to it. Like that's that's my understanding. Like I don't think it's just Phoenix or bust. And if it wasn't, like if it was, I think you probably would have heard about that right now. But it, it hasn't really seemed like that's at least from my conversations. Jared, you got anything more to say on that? Well, we know it's not because he hasn't pulled the trade request yet, and Phoenix is off the board. They can't trade for him anymore, yeah, really. So, point. yeah. So we know it's we know that's done. And to he moved other teams initially. Yeah, to the to the rift of Kyrie and Katie. I have I heard anything about that. I don't know anything about that. What I'll say about Kyrie opting in and expecting to be there, like there weren't teams that were interested in a sign and trade for him besides LA. There have not been other teams who are interested in giving up significant, you know, ammunition to get Kyrie Irving. I think by process of elimination, like, yeah, he opted in with the expectation to play in Brooklyn because, like I've been saying all along, there's no real two-team trade framework with the Lakers that make any sense from the Brooklyn side of things. I know Lakers fans will say, oh, well, they, wouldn't they rather get two first-round picks than let Kyrie walk for nothing? Well, the Lakers from – Everything I've heard have never put a second first round pick on the table in any of these conversations they've had around the league. And I mean, 
the Nets don't want Russell Westbrook to buy him out. So, like, it just seems like, again, by process of elimination, that he's going to be back in Brooklyn, regardless of the Kevin Durant situation. And uh, as far as Kevin and Kyrie, I've, I've heard that they were working out together in LA. So I think they're, I think they're good. Huh. There you go. All right, Matthew, how we doing? Yes, hello. What's up, guys? Um, I had two questions. Um, do you think um this Donovan Mitchell trade is gonna take the whole summer? And um, what do you think is like the holdup, like from it happening? Like, why is it taking so long? Thanks, Matthew. Um. No, I don't know what the holdup is outside of both sides were pretty far apart in terms of asking price and what have you. And, and there's, they, they did seem to be like they got a pretty good understanding of where things were going, where they were headed. The Jazz want a ton of picks. The Knicks have not been willing to meet the Jazz's asking price quite yet. They don't want to outbid. I mean, the teams that uh, – Jared's website reported uh, earlier in the week. I heard Atlanta, um, Washington, Toronto, uh, and Charlotte. I had not heard of Sacramento. Um, Toronto, I mean, from my understanding, the Raptors and Jazz have been in trade talks all offseason from Rudy Gobert. So I think they've talked about Bogdanovich um, and definitely Donovan as well. Um, so that's not surprising to me. And the Raptors, just like with Kevin Durant stuff, they've got pretty clear um, you know, assets that could send back to make a deal work. But, I mean, clearly, I think Toronto would – I don't know, actually. I, wouldn't, I don't want to say this so definitively, but you would think that Toronto is prioritizing Kevin Durant over Mitchell, right? So, like, I don't think they're going to really push their chips on the table to try to come close to bidding what New York can. Um, I think it's just a waiting game. I think – Honestly, the way it sounds, I mean, it's July 26th already. Like, I, I think we're going to start to have some more substantial trade talk in, like, you know, mid-late August, honestly. That's kind of my, my educated guess on when these things can really start to develop here. Yeah, and, well, first off, unless we've heard unless you've heard otherwise, Mitchell hasn't asked for a trade. So, no. I mean, we know that he would love to go to Miami. He would welcome going to New York, you know, so – or, I'm sorry, we don't know uh, – reportedly or allegedly, I don't even remember exactly how much of that is out there, but like we know those are certainly possibilities. So he would not be upset about leaving a rebuild to go play in the major market where he can like finally kind of take that next step as a brand um, and a player, hopefully. So like, I mean, it's going to be, it's also, it's going to be hard to find a person in the league who doesn't expect Donovan to get to New York at some point. It's just, we don't really know when and what, what are going to need to really grease the wheels to happen. Yeah, although I, the impression I've got is that the Donovan New York thing is a little overblown, and that he isn't—it's not—it's not like a there isn't some sort of undeniable gravity pulling him to New York that he's going to end there inevitably. Maybe for differently, but I've definitely heard that that is that people are over speculating that they're just tying together, um, they're they're connecting dots with pen that really should be in pencil. Um, I mean. Yeah, I think it's probably in between both. Like the undeniable gravity is how many draft picks the Knicks have, their obvious interest in trading for him, and the fact that there's no other team who, if they really get to that point in time, can compete with the draft capital that the Jazz clearly want. I mean, they want picks. Yeah, the Nets want players. The Jazz want picks. So it seems to be a clear, obvious landing spot that makes the most sense for all parties involved. That's why I think it's, I mean, maybe. I, I just mean Donovan to the Knicks on his own volition. Oh, I don't yeah, think that's, 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 that's probably, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that I, I mean, I think people are overblowing that he's going to go there because he's a New York kid who has to go home kind of thing. Which he's no. from Greenwich, right? So, you know, he's not yeah. even from the city no, necessarily. The, but... the Knicks have been, I mean, the Knicks have been linked to him forever. They, they, they are coveting him as much as any team in the league has coveted a player in the last couple of seasons. I just remember talking to like a pretty high up source um, about the Mitchell situation a couple of weeks ago. And they made a great point, which is like, who is trying to go to the Knicks besides Jalen Brunson, apparently? Like, what what have the Knicks done in the last decade that's making anybody want to go there? Or, or I think the way they phrased it was, like, a lot of people 
seem to think that everybody wants to go to the Knicks, even though nobody seems to want to go to the Knicks. Nobody wants to go to the Knicks. No one wants to be the first guy to go to the Knicks. Jalen Brunson mm. did. And the Knicks are definitely – that's the last thing I'll say that we'll get this question um, from a kid from the garden appropriately and wrap it up. Hey. I'm, I'm sorry to Tom, Kyle, Sean, Pete, but I've, hel- I've, had, I've held Jared for way too long without paying him. Um, I'm not going to Sorry to break it to you. Um, <laughs> the Knicks definitely are believing and hoping that Jalen Brunson, if not just now, but through his play on the garden floor, will be a very attractive number two for a number one or a number potentially three one day. But, yeah, they're, they're, they, they always felt like they needed this one guy, and now he's going to be the guy that can – Maybe help get a Luca type player like he was uh, robbing down in Dallas. Uh, last wow, question. that that is some amazing optimism. I wish I had that kind of optimism in life. I'm just saying what what I've heard the Knicks want to do. You know, no, I'll kid, blame you for that. Kid from the Garden, what's going on? Hey, um, who are the Jazz asking for in order to get Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks from the Knicks? Um, the I mean, there's plenty of escalating, scaling talk of, of, of these players involved. I mean, it's going to end up being some collection of Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, Miles McBride, Obi Toppin, Cam Reddish, either a veteran salary of Derek Rose or Evan Fournier, and a bunch of picks. That seems to be where things are gonna gonna go. I've heard pretty consistently the Jazz don't really have much interest in trading for RJ Barrett and paying for him. Um, with his extension talks becoming oh, top of mind the closer we get to October, um, you know which young players actually go out if it's Rose or Fournier. Like I really don't see Julius Randle's deal going back. The Jazz have I'm zero sorry. interest in long-term salary. So that that just kind of narrow. That's really as narrow as I can make the board for you there. Right, Jared. Yeah. And what's, by the way, shout out to kid from the garden being an actual kid. That was, that was pretty great. Um, It was a good question. Uh, I think it's, you were talking before about hearing that Barrett doesn't have max. A lot of people don't value him as a max player. No better, clearer example than the fact that the, the or the reported idea that the jazz are not looking to get him when you're going to get him to a 25% max, which is like relatively cheap. So um, it also tells you, tells you that Danny Ainge is making these moves, looking to flip these picks very soon in order to do a quick rebuild like he has done in the past. Um, actually, that's what you I, think, I that's what you think it's, it's going to be? Well, if he's, I mean, well, I, I, I got that wrong. He did not do a quick rebuild in the past. He actually, he, he managed to make the team competitive quickly by making some great moves, but it was a long rebuild to rebuild through the Jays, which took years to actually pull off. But, oh, I, I thought you um, were referring to the, because when I look back at the 2000, like I, I wrote today about, oh yeah, like they tanked 2007 to get Kevin oh, Durant. Sure. Like, yeah. Then they immediately went out and got Ray Allen and KG and put that whole thing together. Like, I thought that's what you were referring to. You, you're right. You're right. I uh, my brain doesn't go by, back that far, but that is actually that that is that could be exactly what it is. And and what tells you that is that if they were doing a long rebuild through the draft, then they would want RJ Barrett. They would want at least somebody that was good that could maybe turn into a star because paying him twenty five percent on a crappy team is nothing. So the fact that they're not looking to do that tells me that you're right. They're looking to make a quick flip and get like. Dame, well, nah, can't be Dame. I don't know, whoever the hell it is. Well, I, I have not, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. I, I mean, I had heard so strongly throughout the, the first weekend, I mean, pretty much all of my time in in Vegas, that the Jazz did not want to trade Donovan. They don't want to trade Donovan. Even after the they're open to trading, and they still don't want to, but they're listening. Like, it doesn't. I don't. I don't really know if the Jazz have a clear, direct plan on what they're trying to do, other than they clearly thought the Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell pairing had maxed out and was not a championship pairing, and now they're just kind of exploring all options from here. That's kind of my understanding of where they stand. And the impression I've gotten is that 
they are not trying to get rid of Donovan. They are doing the Danny Ainge thing where he is shopping as he always is. And, you know, like Danny Ainge's thing is he shows up to the mall and he holds his black card out and he's just walking in every store and seeing what's for sale. So that's what he's doing right now. And maybe they move him if they have a huge package available to them. But I think he's he's riding off the high of the Rudy trade and he's thinking like the the price is sky high right now. So let's see what we can get for Donovan while the momentum is there before the market deflates and everybody gets freaked out when they realize how much of an overpay the Rudy trade, if it was an overpay, the Rudy trade was, and then you can't get as much for Donovan yet. Um, so I don't, I, I definitely, I, the impression I've gotten is that they are not definitely trying to get rid of Mitchell and they're just, he's just doing his thing. Agreed. All right, man. Thanks for popping on here. Good time as always. Um, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Jared, where can they catch your stuff? What do you got to plug? Sure. Uh, over at The Athletic, I got a report this morning on Jalen Brown's role in the Kevin Durant talks and the Celtics uh, machinations. And you can find me on Twitter, Jared Weiss NBA. All right. We'll be back sometime Thursday or Friday. Working on a guest. Not sure who it's going to be. Maybe it'll be myself. Who knows? Not myself being the guest, just me, you know, what I'm talking about. Uh, but if you, if you subscribe to the show, you will get an update when we're going. So do that. Make an account. You'll ask more questions to me and great guests like Jared Weiss, and we'll keep doing it. Thanks, man. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the day. Have a good week.